Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Uh, welcome to our 27th episode, which means we have recorded over half a year's worth of episodes. What? What? That's awesome. Wait, I say that and now I think maybe this is 26. Shit. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> darn. Still. Either way, either way, it's a, it's a half a year. It's a half a year. Well done, us. We knew we had that much to say but still it it was um a little daunting to think about doing 26 episodes yeah yeah i there were definitely some fears of like is this gonna fizzle out after a month are we gonna realize it's way too much work (laughs) we can't do it and here we are six months strong even with a pandemic even with a motherfucking pandemic that is called commitment and dedication. And hopefully all of our listeners out there, you see that, you feel that, <laughs> you're going to show us the love someday. <laughs> so we have, we're keep on keeping on every week and I just want to take a moment and I want to imagine flash forward to our 100th episode. Whoa. Okay. It'll be here before we know it. It will be. Yeah. I wonder what the world will look like. So what? That'll be like end of December 2021? Mm-hmm. Whoa. You want to make any predictions? No. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to start off my Monday mornings being wrong. <laughs> Absolutely not, right? <laughs> Holy shit. Who knows? We could have UFOs here. <laughs> That's going to be my prediction. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. UFOs. Okay. Put it in the books. We've we've made uh, alien contact. Awesome. I I can't wait for that to be the next thing. (laughs) Oh, God. How was your weekend? Um, It was nice. Um, Had some patio sits. Um, I'm still very much an outdoor friend only. Um in COVID times, but, um, I've got a big patio with a nice long table. And so, you know, we can sit a good eight, 10 feet apart. And, uh, that that's nice to actually see humans a little bit. You have a gorgeous backyard. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, you really do. I think it's such a tranquil spot and so nice to have those patio sits. Well, we had the patio sits Saturday and then Sunday in order to maintain that beautiful, luscious yard. Uh, I got to go knee deep into the pond, so that's less fun. <laughs> Did you see the snakes? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> oh. And this is why I will never step foot off your patio. <laughs> okay, so everybody, Brittany was by, and uh, we've got a, a little family of garter snakes, just just tiny little garter snakes. Um, they love to be near and around the pond and all the rocks we have over there. I think they're adorable. Nope. Nope. And I forget that people like Brittany have crazy uh, responses to that. 
And so I saw one while she was over and I thought she was going to jump onto the roof. <laughs> I don't do snakes. Yeah, apparently. I mean, spiders, fine. Moths, annoying, but fine. Snakes, no. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Oh. So we will never have a water feature in our backyard. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a really smart idea. <laughs> How was your weekend? Mine was good. I went in public, I mean like real public, and attended a protest on Saturday morning. Awesome. Yeah, I went back and forth about whether or not to take the girls and opted not. Um, Decided just to do it myself, wore my mask. I was pleasantly surprised to see that 99.9% of the people there were wearing masks. Nice. Um, the social distancing though, when you're marching, yeah. a little difficult. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. Yep. Doesn't happen. But they had some really inspiring speakers who not only shared their stories, but um, took us white people to task. Nice. That's great. It was awesome. And just said, you know what? I'm glad to see you all here, but I'm not ready to thank you. Yeah. Good. Uh, Yeah. They're like, I'll thank you if you're still here in three months, if you're still here in a year. Mm -hmm. It's not about just showing up for one day, patting yourself on the back, and then never thinking about it again. It's about staying engaged. Yeah. Well, that's like the perfect segue into today's talk. Um, we were, Brittany and I were chatting and saying, you know, we've seen, um, so many nonprofits releasing statements, uh, with varying degrees of bravery. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but the, the real work is starting, right? Like it's not just putting out the statement. It's now how you're going to back that up and, and what you're going to change and shift within your organization. Um, and so we thought we'd just chat a little bit about what we're seeing, uh, what we're not seeing and we'd like to see. Um, and, and where the sector needs to head, um, in terms of confronting its own white supremacy. Exactly. Just a nice light yeah. topic for the week. Yeah. <laughs> just a little <laughs> pleasant convo. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, that's what is important is, okay, so now what next? I mean, uh, George Floyd wasn't the first and is probably not going to be the last, unfortunate. And so while it's, you know, his execution, if I dare say, um, is is a catalyst right now. And let's use this momentum as much as we can. Um, But what happens when that dies out, you know, and the next big thing in this world, like the alien invasion comes, (laughs) you know, we are, we are definitely a society that, um, kind of has attention disorder, you know, as a society it's, you know, and, and that's being propagated obviously by this 24 hour news cycle and the constant media. And so we're being fed information, you know, at such a rapid rate but it's easy to just glom on to the next mm-hmm. big news and and let, you know, what happened yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, 
um, fade into the background. Yeah. And we can't do that. No. We can't afford to do that with this. No. Well, I also, I, I feel like it's important to say what we're not going to do today, which is we are not going to be two white women processing our whiteness and our uh, kind of understanding of racism in America right now. To the white people out there who are listening, that is a really important conversation to have with other white people right now, especially. Um, yep. Our black friends, our friends who are people of color, give them the fucking space. <laughs> Don't process all over them right now. Find another white person to do that. Um, but we're not going to do that on the pod today because we also recognize that not all of you are white people. Um, and our people of color who are listeners don't need that from us today. Um, so we really want to focus in on what the sector is doing and where the sector moves forward from here. Yeah. So what are some examples that you've seen in statements? Oh gosh. Um, I think on our last episode, I talked a little bit about even how, when we recorded last Monday, you know, as of midday, I had already been basically on calls or emails, drafting them with, with nonprofits that basically continued the rest of the week. Um, by Friday, I was so fucking fried. Um, and not just because wordsmithing is exhausting, (laughs) which it is, but also because so many of those conversations were really encouraging the organizations to be braver, to take an additional step, um, to put out there what they were going to do, like to actually list their action steps. Um, and that, that's a big shift for a lot of organizations. Um, I, I was describing it to a friend like um, right now the nonprofit sector is like a freshman in racism. Like <laughs> we talk about it a little bit. Maybe we even like use a diversity matrix to understand like where we have gaps in our board or staff or volunteer pool. But we need to get to senior year real quick. <laughs> We don't have four years to be messing around with this shit. Like, it's so great that we're having these conversations. Um, It's awful why we've had this moment to catalyze that. But let's use this momentum, like you said. Um, And so, you know, I've got organizations all over the spectrum, um, which has also meant that their supporters have also been all over the spectrum in terms of responses. So an organization that maybe has been doing this work is actually under a much – is under much tighter scrutiny. And so I've got some clients where they've been getting emails and voicemails saying, you're not doing enough. Um, Mm -hmm. Your, your statements are hypocritical because you haven't been addressing implicit bias enough in your organization. And then I've got the organizations where, you know, they're, it's all white folks. They are just now starting to think about this stuff. And so there's no mirror being held up at all. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and then we also have, um, you and I were talking about this earlier. You, you know, there's our sector, obviously, that's coming out with all of our different statements, but then you have the for-profit sector Mm -hmm. coming out with theirs too, um, in a wide spectrum, right? right? And now there's kind of a, um, what do I want to say? So, like, Ben and Jerry's came out with their statement, and <laughs> it is now being held as kind of the standard. Yeah. I got, can I just say, that statement was fire, and it made me feel so good to eat Ben and Jerry's all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so now there is this standard, and there is this expectation. I know 
Um, it's been interesting. I, I actually work for an organization who part of our mission is eliminating racism. So I think that it is our responsibility as a, like within the community to come out and take a huge stance. And, you know, this is our time to, to really reaffirm our mission. That's been our mission for almost a hundred years. Um, and so we did, and our CEO, who's amazing, um, she has a lot of personal stories um, that she uses, um, in, and she used in our statement, uh, because her children are biracial. And so she spoke from the heart, and she gave a statement, and we made sure that we followed it up with ways to engage. Yeah. Right. So it's not just one statement. It's if this is how you're feeling and you're trying to decide now, what can I do? Boom. Here they are. So we're launching a three part, a free three part virtual series on being an anti-racist that starts this week. We're also saying that people have to be there for all three. Mm-hmm. So you can't just attend one. Yeah. This is really meant to be a package and you have to make that commitment to all three of them. Um, but even still, we've had people from the community email us and say, we'd like to see a stronger statement. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I mean, I, I think that there is, um, we're being called and people want it Mm -hmm. and there's an expectation. And so how how do we step into that? Yeah. When as nonprofits, we're meant, it's like we're, we're wired to not be controversial. Right. Right. Well, I, I think that's why this is such a tipping point because, you know, part of the, the messaging I had with clients last week was, if you are not putting out a statement, you are seen as complicit right now. Not just complacent, complicit means you right. are adding to the problem. So yeah, we have to have a statement out. Hard stop. And it has to be strong. It has to, has to, has to say Black Lives Matter. Like, yes. And then, like, of course, then there's the tier of like how good it is from there. Like, I think that the best statements um, were vulnerable. Yeah. They called out that like the organization had work to do put specific action steps that the organization was going to do. And then, like you said, provided action steps for community members to engage with that. Um, so it, it felt like it was much more of a, of a plan, right? Like, again, this statement doesn't live in isolation. This is just one step we are taking towards all of these uh, measures towards equity. Um, and quite frankly, very few had that. And probably because they just weren't at that place. It's easier to put out a statement like that if you're already working on that plan. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. Well, I just think, you know, we talk about how quickly things are changing, mm-hmm. right? And how even in this podcast, we used to record multiple episodes um you know, weeks at a time that we wouldn't be releasing until the next month. Mm -hmm. And here I'm going to be out of town, um, the beginning of July. And we had this conversation today of, okay, well, how do we, 
how do we do this? How do we pre-record stuff that is still going to be relevant in three weeks? Because it might not. And so what made me think of that is, I think it was just last week in one of the recordings we did, or maybe two weeks ago, yeah, where we read the predictions, you read Mm -hmm. the email from Forbes about whether or not there was going to be an increase in women of color leaders in the nonprofit sector in 2020. That was a prediction Mm -hmm. made pre-pandemic back in 2019 and how we, the trend now with COVID is that DEI training was halted. Yeah. And now it has done a total 180. Yep. And now it's done a complete 180 yep. and it's been three weeks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been uh, really interesting. So I, I do some DEI work with, with a person of color, to be clear. Uh, I think I've said that on the pod before. When working with boards, I think the strongest way to teach them about these issues is uh, a person of color in conjunction with a white person. So the white person can call it the bullshit. <laughs> right. Um, and the, the person of color is there at... I'm. Like you just, you can't do DEI work without a person of color there. Like I just, it's wrong. Absolutely. So anyway, um, so I I work with this incredible woman, Elvita, who I know doesn't listen to the podcast, um, but. (laughs) Wait, what? She doesn't? I need to talk to her. (laughs) Um, but you know, we had talked when the pandemic had started and I was like, gosh, like, I think we've got one more contract coming up and then I'm, I'm not seeing many discussions on this and boom, in the last week, it's like. Okay. A flood. Yeah. We, we need training. We need implicit bias analyses done. We, we need audits. We need all of these things. Um, and, and I've really been thinking about like, how do I even shift the rest of my work to free me up to do more of that? Because it seems more important. Like, yeah, I, I love a good fundraising analysis, but <laughs> right now if nonprofits have to be leaning into this, um, if we if, if we, meaning consultants, if we don't provide some of these services, it will end up being on the back burner again because they know, we know they can't do it alone. I mean, this is such uncharted territory for so many people. They need support and guidance. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it rolls out in probably even the next month, you know, what shifts and changes. Well, and there's even, more work, right? I mean, there's the initial, okay, let's, let's start by having a training. And then how do we embed that training into our daily practices within the organization? Yeah. You know, this is, that's such a good point. I I was having this conversation with an executive director and, you know, I would say generally speaking, the staff are a little bit further in their journeys, um, towards being anti-racist because they have to be in the work they're doing. And board members, you know, coming from the local bank, they're, they're just not exposed as much. Um, and so the, the staff member was wanting to jump right into what are we implementing? How are we doing this? And I had to say, you know, we kind of have to back up because your board members aren't there, right? Like they just need to understand the, the field they're playing within before we can then go about changing the landscape. Um, Absolutely. And I think I'm, I think what we're seeing, especially on social media right now, is individuals realizing that. Like, you're seeing all these book lists and podcast lists, and here's how you engage in anti-racism work. Well, it's it's no different within our organizations. We have to start with that training, that baseline understanding, um, because that's really what provides the relevance. 
that's what's going to allow it to continue um, and really be embedded within all aspects of the organization. So I'm interested um, in your work being a consultant and having done um, DEI trainings, what, for the last six months? Something like that, yeah. What is the step after the initial training? So you go in, mm-hmm. get together, talk about all the different terms, what they mm-hmm. mean. I would say for a board, um, it's then talking about board culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are we doing or not doing that supports um, equal access? Um, we're not even getting to equitable at this point, right? Like just equal access. How can anybody we bring onto this board have a, an equal seat at the table, have a voice? Because most boards are not structured that way, right? Again, we've said it before, nonprofit boards were structured by the same folks who set up white supremacy in all of our systems. And so, of course, it's going to be embedded in that way. So we have to find ways that we can uplift voices so that everybody can truly participate. And then we go into, okay, what, what other cultural barriers do we have in our board meetings? And some of them, you know, basic structural things like what time of day do we meet? Do we have childcare available? Um, right. You know, do, do we have all of the things that would allow anybody to participate, not just anybody of a certain class or race? Um, because to be clear, boards are very classist in their structure. For so, so, so long, it's been who can fundraise, who can bring in high net worth individuals. Absolutely. So that's who we recruit under our boards. And so then all of our structures are based on a specific social class. Yep. Um, yeah. And we talked about how moving to more uh, working remotely, people becoming more familiar with these different technologies like Zoom and whatnot, that that might have a positive impact in this area because it might allow boards to be more flexible in having um, people participate remotely to their meetings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then I would say for the organization as a whole, it, all of this work starts with kind of um, benchmarking. Where are you at right now? Where are the problems with that? And so therefore, what, does, what needs to be in our plan? Uh, you know, you, you start off, you look at your demographics. Okay, gosh, 95% of our volunteers are white. That's problematic. How do we shift what this looks like? Um, our leadership, same sort of thing. How do we shift then our recruitment of new staff members? Um, but y- you have to start from a place of knowing where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably most organizations, especially, you know, in our community can say, yeah, we're, we're not representative. We're not diverse enough, but you have to have specific numbers and targets to be working towards. Um, because otherwise the biggest risk in all of this is we've got this momentum. People are excited, interested, emotional, and then it goes away in two, three months when the next thing comes up, kind of like you were saying with the, the news cycle. Similarly, if we say, okay, we just want to be more diverse. Okay, we just want to ensure that we've got uh, more people who have different experiences, but we don't actually put numbers to that and then strategies for how we're going to shift things. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. There's too much going on in a nonprofit otherwise. So do you foresee maybe organizations starting to create their own task forces or subcommittees 
you know, focused it on these issues and, and making sure that they're actually putting them, implementing them and not just talking about them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel it both ways. So I feel like you, there's a risk if you don't have a concerted team working on anything that it's just not going to happen. But the other risk is that you have a concerted team working on it and then it's not embedded elsewhere. And so it's like, okay, the diversity committee is going to handle that. Right. Right. And, and if we, that's such a good point. So it, it's like, I I don't have a specific answer, um, except that we need to be having these conversations and within your organization, you need to be discussing what this looks like. Um, and you know, maybe even putting out the goal that it is that equity work is embedded in everything we do. And we're going to start with diversity and then we're going to go into inclusion, right? Like if you think about that spectrum, there are specific tasks that can be undertaken towards each of those, um, Mm -hmm. with the goal of the organization being focused on equity. Yeah. So in the different statements that you created, do you have any other, for lack of a better term, pointers or? Well, if, if a nonprofit is listening to this podcast, which we're releasing, what, on the 15th? And oh, yeah. you haven't put out a statement. Oops. So the entire world has changed. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's been a week. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if, if you hadn't put one up by today, today's June 8th, uh, you're late. Like, yeah. what, where have you been? Um, and, you know, I I know it's hard to, like, Ben and Jerry's came out with this awesome statement, and they probably have a huge comms team that could come together, craft something beautiful, something brave, get it yeah. out there. They also probably had the organizational culture around that, that bravery and, and the ethics behind it, um, which a lot of our organizations don't, but... So I get where some organizations are like, we've been, we've been sending emails where we've been trying to figure it out and we can't get it right. Well, now if I'm a person of color involved in your organization, I'm wondering where you are. I'm wondering right. why your voice hasn't been out there. Uh, I'm wondering if I'm safe. Right. Continuing to participate. So you are, you are too late, quite frankly. Um, and so if you do put something out, it has to be even stronger. It has to be. And more vulnerable. I really loved that you used that word earlier. And I think it's so true that, you know, if you are um, behind the eight ball, so to speak, and you haven't put something out, I think it's better late than never. But just like you're saying, it needs to be stronger and maybe you need to be vulnerable about why it's taken so long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I saw one come out from a small business today, um, actually. Uh, and it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was vulnerable in, in that way. And her saying, I've been struggling with what to say for over a week. I know I need to say something, uh, because here are our values and here's how they, you know, how black lives matter plays into that. Um, and here's what we want to do as an organization and, um, you know, provide an opportunity for people to reach out. But I, I just appreciated that she called out the fact that it's June 8th and the statement's just coming out now. Um, and kind of explained a little bit of that. Um, and knowing their their customer base, I think that they'll be pretty understanding of that. Um, yep. You know, I think 
really though, what we need to see is, okay, you got a statement out, you've got this work to do, you got to provide regular updates on it. That's great point. Like I want to see organizations. Keep the conversation going. Yeah. And maybe it's even once a month. Here's what we've done towards racial equity in our organization. Here's what we've done to become a more anti-racist organization every single month because your supporters need to see that. And it's, it's an accountability measure for you as an organization. Yeah. I love that. You know, if you already have, I mean, you can just weave it into the communications that you already have in place. Mm -hmm. So if you already do a monthly e-newsletter or something like that, you know, embed that into your communications so that just becomes a part of the standard monthly practice yeah, that you're doing. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be I mean, it's great if you can, but it doesn't have to be this, uh, you know, added thing. Right. Well, and the goal would be that it is just embedded, right? Because all Exactly. I was just going to say that's <laughs> the point. The point is just to make it part of the fabric of your work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um it, it has been great. So I'm involved in I don't know, three strategic planning processes right now. Um, And all three of them reached out to me in the last week to be like, we need to be looking at this more in our strategic plan, right? Like let's, let's make equity one of our pillars because we don't want to lose it. Um, So I'm really appreciative of, of that. Once it's in your strategic plan too, like that just provides one more avenue for the continued communication and, um, and planning around it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I feel like we've just kind of naturally moved into takeaways, but are there any others that we talked about earlier that we want to bring forward at the end here? Well, I think that we said this in our last episode a little bit, but I think organizations continue to run the risk of tokenizing the people of color that are involved with their organization. Um, I I heard of one large agency uh, who... (laughs) specifically reached out to uh, one of their few people of color, a a black woman, um, to do a brief presentation at an all-staff meeting. No. Um, Just about her experiences being black. um, And and she did it. Uh, God, that poor woman. I can't can't imagine, like, what – anyway. It's bullshit. That shouldn't have happened to you, friend. And – and so she did this presentation. She did it for eight minutes, 46 seconds. I mean, just so fucking powerful. Um, and then <laughs> the leader of the agency, a white man, um, takes the mic back. And uh, one of one of her points was like, she was talking about what it's like to be black in the workplace. Um, and yep. giving some pointers like, don't touch my hair. Uh, get my name right. Don't call me by the other black woman's name because we are two different people. And anyway, so then the the leader takes back the mic and uh, wants to reference George Floyd and instead calls him Ahmaud Aubrey or or somebody else. Oh. Like, literally within 30 seconds did the thing she said not to do. Demonstrating what she said not to do. Yeah. So anyway, that wasn't actually my original point. My point was, don't tokenize the people of color. Don't put them in that kind of position, especially right now. We said it last week. We'll say it again. They are not okay. Yeah. They need space. They need time. They they need to say what they need. I should not be saying it, quite frankly. <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, even in talking with my friends of color, 
even if, you know, not to speak for them, but just to share what they have said to me is, you know, they know that they need representation. And so a lot of times they say yes when they really don't want to. Yeah. And so just because they say yes doesn't mean that they're happy about doing it. They're still, you know, having conflicted feelings and being put in a shitty situation. Yeah. So I think, you know, as we were talking about, like, do you get a committee to do this? Do you, you know, how do you implement it? Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes organizations can make is to take up their people of color and put them on a diversity committee. Yes. Without real power, without having leadership capabilities, um, because we know the majority of people of color in nonprofits are not manager or above. Right. Um, so let's stop playing that shit. Let's actually put them into positions of leadership. Exactly. Yeah. And I know like that's such a bigger issue, but, um, I've just heard recently from, again, a few uh, of my people of color friends who were going for bigger jobs or, or whatever, instead being asked to sit on a diversity committee. Like, that's the consolation prize. <laughs> that's such fucking bullshit. That's so fucked up. Yeah. And because we are not representing nonprofits right now, I'm going to say elect officials on your ballot who are people of color or are, or who are the most anti-racist uh, candidates on the ballot. Yes. We absolutely have to, have to, have to change our leadership. If we continue to have white people running our country, running our local governments, we are not going to see massive change. We need to change that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up today's episode. A lot of good information in there. And I, it's great to remind folks, uh, if you didn't catch our mini-sode last week, next week's episode, you're going to want to tune in to... Oh my gosh! We have Vule joining us. Our very, very first guest speaker on the podcast. Mr. Nonprofit AF himself, Vu. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait. We um, record tomorrow, so by the time you all hear this, we will have recorded our episode with him oh my gosh oh i i swear my lunch just like came up a little bit as you said that (laughs) (laughs) i know um my husband gave me the advice today to please don't fangirl him that's what he said he's like don't do it stay cool calm and collected i don't know if i'm gonna be able to like how how would that happen i don't even know that goes against my nature anyways. I mean, that's just not who I am. But do you remember when we met him at the conference and I just stood there basically starstruck? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> you said nothing. I was, and then yeah. I just you know, talked at him and you got mad at me for all the things that I told him. <laughs> yeah. So the interview's yeah. going to go much better. I, I believe it. You Maybe. better say something. I it will. can't be just me talking. I so, know. okay. <laughs> Good. Well, you all will hear it on the 22nd, right? Yep. If all things go as planned. Mm-hmm. June 22nd, put it on your calendar, set an alarm to make sure you've got it in your queue Monday morning. 
And this is just another reminder, if you haven't subscribed, if you've just happened upon this episode, please subscribe to our baby podcast that is Growing Legs. Now that we're six months in with half a year of episodes under our belt. Baby podcast, Growing Legs? <laughs> Learning to walk? Okay. I don't know. I don't Okay. And how can they contact us? We want to hear from you. Yes, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can email us at nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And as always, if you have the capacity, please, now is the time. Now is the time to support your local nonprofits. Support your local nonprofits who are led by people of color. Support your local nonprofits who are on the front lines of the Black Lives Matter movement and dealing with all things racial justice. Give and give generously. Thanks, everybody. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.